Hopefully you know by now, but if you didn't know, you realize that Charles has done a great job reminding us of what theme we're in for 2016. The whole year we're talking about this idea of strong and courageous. Now, we have been, for much of that time, uh, discussing the theme verse, which is Joshua chapter 1, verse 9, where it says, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God goes with you wherever you go. Now, that is not the only time in Scripture we get this idea of strong and courageous. There are several verses throughout the Old Testament, especially, that speak to this idea of God's people being both strong and courageous. But we focus on the Joshua verse because of where we are as a family. We are in a time of transition, and we have been uh, working on understanding the great risks that come at times of transition, but also the great responsibilities and opportunities. We said we're starting a new chapter, and as we do that, we want to think specifically on focusing where our hope lies, not within us, but within the God that we serve. So we're using this as our theme verse, and as we have been going through this for the first 90 days of 2016, our uh, challenge, if you will, has been the Northside 90-day Bible reading program. And it has been, uh, really, it's been inspiring to see the pictures and the posts and people telling us and showing us how they've been going through this reading plan. If you're not familiar with it, uh, we have uh, out in the foyer uh, some reading plans that take us in 90 days through the entire New Testament. And that's about three chapters a day. And we've ha asked people to be involved in social media and sharing their uh, times when they've been reading it, sharing things that they've uh, understood or things that God has been teaching them in this program. Here you have Carol Holmes right before she's getting ready for surgery. And she is uh, uh, continuing to do her daily Bible reading and, and take up the 90-day challenge. Uh, here is Luke Nelson and Tara Triplett reading the Bible together. And uh, here are the Davis children, Kat and Christopher, as they are partaking breakfast of champions uh, by reading their Bible before they head off to school. And I think that is just great. I didn't realize uh, that this uh, reading program would, would go viral as it has and, and take on such enthusiasm. It's now not only going amongst the people of Northside, but to people that are non-Northsiders. It's even going beyond that to outside of our species. <laughs> Liz and Wayne Austin have taught their dog, Milo, to read. And uh, they thought a good uh, discipline for him, once he knows how to read, is to get, be in the Word daily. And I just think that is fabulous. Um, I know where this is going to lead, however, and I, I can tell, I can see some of you thinking already, you're going to send in pictures of your cat. Um, no, that's not going to fly, not from this pulpit. Mm -mm, no, mm -mm, no. <laughs> uh, Jesus doesn't love the cats. That's that's right there. It's toward the back. Oh, you cat lovers. Now you all hate me, but I just go buy another cat, I guess. Uh, we have you'll notice even specifically he's wearing his bracelet, which I thought was pretty cute. Uh, so, yeah, if you want to get your pets involved with that, I cannot guarantee we will put pictures of them every week. But we are thrilled that you are joining us. Today is day number 29, which means we are right on the cusp of being one third done with Northside 90 days now. There are those of you who haven't partaken at all, and you're just, every time you hear me go through this spiel, you feel a little guilty, you like, you sort of tune out, tune out, and I want you to know that it's never too late to start. 
You can do this Bible reading plan or any Bible reading plan. We have many folks who are doing a, a separate plan. That's great. The point is we want everyone in the word because we believe mightily in the power, not just of the word, but in the power of the author who inspired every one of those words. So however you're in the Bible... The point is we want you to be in the Bible. If you're doing the Northside 90-day program, we hope that you're doing it. How many of you have your, I can't remember which wrist, I keep switching it. Uh, how many of you have your bracelet on this morning? Okay, all right, good. How many of you uh, don't believe in hand-raising in church? Raise your hand. I got you. <laughs> okay, um, so we, anyway, we are glad that you're partaking in that. And if you are, please continue to keep us posted on Instagram, Instagram Twitter, or Facebook. Um, as you do so, or just email or text me, uh, we'd love to know uh, how it's going with you. And we'd really like to, to be able to share some of those experiences as we journey through the word together. Today, we are shifting gears a little bit from the strong and courageous theme, which we've been talking about all through the month of January. We're going to be talking about this idea called the blessing. And we'll explain a little more about what that, what's coming with that. Today, we're going to look specifically at the greatest blessing, as Jesus described it, and indeed how I think we ought to uh, use the blessings in our lives. If you are um, uh, in a church on a regular basis, you know that when I tell you what we're going to talk about, uh, you'll start to immediately have thoughts in your mind about what we're going to talk about. This whole series is about stewardship. And when I say the word stewardship, unfortunately, it evokes a lot of negative things. It's time that we begin reclaiming the word. To most of us, the true glory in God's design is hidden. All we have received from Him is precious, but we don't realize it. The significance has been lost. Every blessing, talent, and resource the King has entrusted to us is rich with powerful kingdom potential. But over time, the value of these gifts has been diminished. Like treasure tarnished from misuse and neglect. A secular handling of the sacred. But we can rediscover the true purpose and promise wrapped within God's gifts. In fact, we must. take what is ours, but to restore a proper perspective of the truth, that these are gifts, not possessions, that we are managers, not owners. It's time to honor the giver by taking the responsibility he gave us for the gift, something that will require diligence and work to remove the corrosion that obscures their true brightness. We can do it by managing all of God's blessings, God's way, for God's glory. All across this great nation, it's time to reclaim stewardship. And in so 
doing. We rediscover that he wants to use these gifts in our hands to multiply blessings and fruitfulness greater than we could ever imagine. With one generation changing guard to the next, with the world becoming darker every season, with me growing greater every hour. Now is the time. Unfortunately, when we think of stewardship, we give it a bad rap. So let me in this series, and indeed mostly this morning, try to help us better understand what is meant by that old word, stewardship. Stewardship is found more often in the King James Version of the Bible. That translation gives you some idea into the word written in the 1600s. Uh, that translation would use a word that we don't often use today. Many years ago, when Tyler was much younger, we endeavored as parents to teach him this idea of stewardship. He was three or four years old, and uh, he would do little jobs, things that he could do around the house. And when he did those jobs, he would receive a quarter. And over the course of the week, he would amass his quarters, and on Saturday evenings, he would divide them up into give and save and spend. On Sunday morning, he would take that quarter or quarters from his give pile and put them in his little wallet, and as we sat down in the pew, and it came time for the part of the worship where we returned to God a portion of our blessings, I would reach over and grab one of the quarters. And quietly as I could, so as not to disturb others, but as loudly as I could to teach him, I would say, Tyler, whose quarter is this? At first, he didn't know. He would say, well, it's mine or I earned it. But over time, he understood the right response. It's God's. My second question would be to him, Tyler, why did he give that quarter to you? And he knew, would learn eventually the answer, what I'm going to share with you this morning. He gave this quarter to you to bless others. Our job as stewards is to understand that we are not the owners. You have a picture on the screen of a castle. In the 1600s and even earlier than that, when they used the word steward, this is the picture they had, not of a quarter, but of a castle. Because a steward was the person who managed for the Lord, the, the one who owned all of the land and all of the property and all of the animals. The steward was the one who took to managing that day in and day out. The steward understood one thing. It was not his. It belonged to the Lord. And his job was to manage it well, to do his very best to not only keep hold of everything the Lord owned, but to improve it, to bless, to grow it. That was what a good steward did and does today. Unfortunately, stewardship gets a bad rap today. 
in, since the word steward is not as commonly used, the most frequent time people hear it is in church. When I told you this morning that we were going to be talking about stewardship, the first thing you did was grab your money clip and grab your wallet, grab your check. Oh, man, they must be doing a capital campaign. They must be doing some a project. They must have, have fell short on the budget. They're talking about stewardship. And I am sorry that we have so abused the word because God didn't intend this word to be a bad word. He intended it to evoke the understanding of who owns it and who manages it. And it's not just talking about our quarters or dollars or paychecks. It's talking about partly that, but it's so much more than just our wealth. It's how we manage God's blessings. I apologize if you've gotten or get gotten the wrong idea that stewardship has become code for budgets and buildings and capital campaigns. I want you to know that at Northside, we intend to talk frequently and often about stewardship. Not because we're always looking for money, but because we believe that the Bible talks about blessings more than any other subject and our ownership of those blessings is something that god takes very seriously that video i showed was a a picture of a carpenter taking the raw wood out of this pile in his yard and bringing it into his shop and 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 cutting it and sanding it and shaping it until it become became something far better than it used to be what a beautiful picture of stewardship it reminds me of my grandfather Levering. He was a wonderful carpenter. And he could take wood that was just as ugly and, and scarred as the wood you saw in the video. And he would make it into these beautiful creations. Cabinets and, and bookcases and, and gun cases and all of these fantastic creations. Every Christmas, someone in the family got Grandpa, Grandpa Drew their name. And they were excited. Because Grandpa was a good steward. With the wood. Now, was the wood his? No, God gave it to him. God grew it in the trees. Uh, Somewhere along the line, it was sent to a mill. And somewhere uh, after that, it came into his possession. But he took what God had owned and given to him and made it into something far better. If you understand this idea, you understand what we're going to be talking about in this series called The Blessing. A better example of stewardship is in the biblical character of Joseph. Now, if you're turning in your Bibles, you'd, you'd go to about Genesis 39. The truth is, I'm not going to point you to an exact scripture because I don't want to go over the beautiful story of Joseph word for word. What I want you to remember is that Joseph's life had many periods where he was blessed and where he was not very blessed at all. He might have considered himself cursed. And yet wherever he was, whether he was up or down or in between, Joseph always made the best with what God had given him. Whether he went from being a slave to being the chief of Potiphar's house to meeting Potiphar's wife, being accused of things he didn't do and becoming a prisoner. Whether he was at the low point of being a prisoner or whether he grew in that position and became assistant to the chief warden of that prison. 
whether he was left prison and became a consultant to the Pharaoh, to chief in charge of all Egypt, second only to Pharaoh, Joseph, throughout his entire life, took his blessings seriously. And he did the best that he could with what he had and with where he was. No matter how little or how much God gave him, Joseph managed it well. Everything he touched, he prospered. We are all stewards. We are called to be stewards. We understand that everything we have, we've been given by God. But there's some of you this morning that you're thinking, man, I just, you don't know the kind of week I've had. You don't know the kind of month I've had. You, to be quite honest, you don't know the kind of life I've had. And I wanted to remind you of Joseph's story. Because he was at high points and low points too. From the pri- prison to the palace, he was uh, experienced all the extremes of life. This is what I love about CR especially, our ministry that reaches out to people in the church and outside of the church who have hurts and habits and hang-ups People, if you go to a, a CR a service, one of the most beautiful things you experience is the hearing of other people's stories. You hear the, the high points, you, you, you relate to the low points, and you understand that from the high points to the low points and every point in between, God still works in your story if you let him. God can use anyone of any position, no matter how much they have, no matter how little they've been blessed, no matter what position they hold. God can and will use any person in any position. He'll use any story to his glory. Speaking of story, I'd like to tell you a very offensive, politically incorrect story. Uh, Don't worry, though. It's right from the mouth of Jesus. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And I'd like to start just by reading it. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey, Jesus said, who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. That's important. If you didn't get that, underline verse 14. To one, he gave five bags of gold. To another, two bags. And to another, one bag. Each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who uh, the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. And we're in verse 19. After a long time, the master of these servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Well done, his master replied. Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Verse 22. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. 
Verse 24, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Now listen to what he says. Master, uh, you knew that I, I knew that you were a, a hard man, harvesting um, where you have not sown and, and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was, I was afraid. And I went out and hid your gold in the ground. And see, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have Even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Can you imagine in this election year any of the political candidates telling such a story? Oh, the media would rake him over the coals. You mean there's a story of a wealthy guy? who spreads out his wealth to three people, and the guy he picks on the most is the one who had the least? Oh, man, that that turns our world upside down. It would be like this morning if I came out and I said, I have in my hand $800, and I'm going to entrust 500 of that to Don Delano. And now, people in church be paying attention. Oh, we picked a good day to come to church. Mm-hmm. And if I said to Court Clausen, I have $200 left of my $800, I'm sorry, $300, I'm going to give you two of that court. Now, it's mine, but I need you to manage it well. And if I told Dennis Crisco that I only have $100 left of my $800, but that I was entrusting it to him. Now, those three men have been entrusted with my wealth. They have been entrusted with something that I own. They didn't earn it. They simply received it. I entrusted it to them to manage. This is the first lesson of the parable of the talents. What you have is not yours. Now, I know you think it's yours because you went to a job and you did a certain amount of labor. In exchange for that labor, people gave you certificates of happiness meaning money. And they gave that to you, and you brought it home to use as you see fit. But you need to understand Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, verse 18 says, The Lord gives you the, the ability to produce wealth. It doesn't come from government. It doesn't come from you. It comes from the Lord himself. Whatever you earn, be it five talents or two talents or one talent, God has given that to you. 
and he distributes it as he sees fit. We got to talk about this because the world's all up in arms that we need to be more fair. Uh, We have some political candidates who are talking about, hey, you know what I want to do? What I want to do is, uh, you know, it's not right that he has five and he has two and he has one. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take all that money back and I'm going to give each of you one. And, of course, there'll be some expense for the, the bureaucracy that manages the wealth distribution, but we'll ignore that. It's not yours. It's, it comes from government. We need to make it fair. No. And Jesus never mentions a word about fair. Uh, some of you are really good looking. I didn't get that talent. Some of you are very intelligent. Some of you have tremendous social abilities. All of us have gifts. All of them distributed as God sees fit. The world focuses on how much you have and perhaps gives more focus to how much others don't have. But God never pays attention to how much you have or don't have. What he's concerned with is what you do with what you have. The word for that is entrusted. You are entrusted with your time, with your talents, with your treasure, Even the people in your life come from God. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, the Apostle Paul says, Our competence comes from God. Whatever your gift is, whatever your skill set is, whatever blessings you've been given come as a result of Almighty God, giving them to you, entrusting them to you to manage well. And this is our third point. The owner has serious expectations. You need to understand that if you are a one talent, a two talent, or a five talent, whatever it is, you have an expectation to use what you've been given to bless God and to bless his kingdom and to return to the owner more than he gave you. Do you understand? He needs you to return that investment and to improve it. First Corinthians chapter 4, 1, the Apostle Paul says, Whoever has been given a trust must prove faithful. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, Faithfully use what you've been given to bless others. So we don't measure our, uh, ourselves by what we've been given. We measure ourselves as stewards by what? We've been given. Well, how do we do this? I'm going to give you a personal plan. Number one, start by taking stock of your blessings. When you do, a couple of things will happen. First, when you begin to try to just list every way in which you've been blessed, either through your job or your family or your wealth or anything you've been given, it gives you first a deep, deep sense of gratitude. Uh, You know this if you've ever prayed with like a two or three year old. They begin to thank God for everything. I mean, literally everything like they are trying to delay before bedtime, like they are trying to keep you up longer. And those they just start looking around and thanking God for everything. And forgive me if I don't pray that way. 
There are too many things in my life that I take for granted that will always be there, that I'll always have, that somehow I earned or I deserved. And you understand that none of that is true. LaVon Weber was a blessed saint here around for many years. She was a smart woman. She was a businesswoman. She was thoughtful and wise. She was one of those women that just oozed wisdom in everything she said and everything she did. In later years, before she had passed away, she would ride around this church with a walker with wheels to get around from one place to the other. Often after church, you would see her sitting on one of these benches, and she would still have children next to her or be talking to her family. But her legs just didn't work like they had uh, previously in her earlier years of life. Franny Nash told me one time, she said that her mother, LaVon, said, Franny, do you ever thank God for your good, strong legs? And Franny said, no, I, I don't think I ever have. I think that story is convicting for all of us, especially for me. We think when we take stock of our blessings, how much we've been given that we just take for granted. Especially the blessing of health. And those of you who've had a struggle with your health understand what a blessing good health is. But in addition to helping us understand how much we've been blessed, it helps us understand how good God is to us. First Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says it this way. Give thanks in all circumstances. And I suppose that doesn't just mean when you get a bonus from at work or you get a promotion or when things go well at school or when things are improving generally in life. The scripture says give thanks in all circumstances, even in times of trouble, even in times of difficulty. Because there, too, God can provide a blessing. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. To ask it another way, what would you have tomorrow if you only had the things that you had specifically thanked God for today? My guess is some of us might be naked, hungry, and not have a place to live. And be in terrible health. God can use all of it. We just need to take stock of it. That's what good stewards do. Secondly, we as stewards must add value. We got to leave things better than we found them. God has given you this series of blessings. Okay, so what? So what? Don has five. Court has two. Dennis has one. So what? How are they improving what I've given to them? God expects us not just to have his blessings, but to improve them, to make them better than they were when we found them. Luke chapter 12, verse 48 says this, From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Now, some of you are here this morning and you're thinking, well... This sermon series isn't for me. It's about all those rich people, those evil one percenters. Now, let me tell you something. Let me be very direct with you. If you're sitting here this morning, uh, you're in the 1%. Compared to the rest of the world, you are fabulously wealthy. You have no idea how wealthy you are. 
And I know it's popular in our culture to bash people who have a lot. That's not what we as good stewards do. We don't bash ourselves or apologize for being blessed greatly. What that means then, according to Jesus, is we have much greater responsibility. You've been given much. So what? What are you doing with what you've been given is the real question. Are you using your blessings in a way that blesses the owner? Number three, ask how. How do I use the blessings entrusted to me to bless others? I have received talents and skills. This past weekend, yesterday, Carpenter Place, uh, there was a Hearts of Hope brunch for the ladies. And Christy went to it and was just raving about it. And I was looking at all the good that they had done, the, the money that they had raised for Carpenter Place. And I was looking at the names of so many Northsiders on there. Sarah Holt organized it. I mean, that, that takes a lot of work to organize and put together something like that. She has the gift of administration and organizing and marketing. And she used her gift to bless others. Then about the middle of the program, Brianne Banning told her story. And if you hadn't heard Brianne's story, you need to hear it. Because it's a story about even in times of difficulty and struggle, watching your own daughter have a stage four neuroblastoma tumor, that's a hard story. But Brianne and Aaron both have used that story for God's glory. And they've been able to write a book that encourages other parents of young children who are in the same situation. And as I read that little book to my daughter last night, just just reminding her about all of the ways that God works in our lives, Grace said, God sure is good, isn't he? He uses even the worst situations, even the hardest stories, and he turns them into something good and beautiful. So you've received talents. How are you using them for God's glory? You've received a home. Who do you invite into it? You have a vehicle or two or maybe three or four. How many of those passenger seats do you fill with people who need a ride to work or a ride to church or just someone encouraging to visit with them? You have closets, rooms full of clothing and shoes. Who have you clothed? Who have you given shoes? Many of us have had plenty of food. And yet, who have we fed? Who have we invited over for a meal? Who have we given as we've been blessed? And we've all received, if you're a Christian, you've received the, the greatest gift in the world. The blessing of eternal life. The free gift of God. Who have you shared it with? Who have you blessed another eternity with? Finally, we finish up by saying you've got to get started. The greatest blessing is to bless others. We are in tax season, as you know, and uh, all of the W-2s have been sent out, and so people are busy arranging their documents, getting ready to, to give that to the federal government. When I do that at my house, I go to a file box. I have ten of those file boxes, one for each year. So as you do the math, they've gone back 10 years. Every year when I'm starting a new file box, I take one from 10 years ago 
and destroy all the contents within it. But as I destroy those contents, I look at where I was in 2006. Oh, the most common phrase. Boy, you were dumb. Oh, man. Oh, that was stupid. Oh, that was really bad. Sometimes I feel like that's how we feel when we talk about stewardship. Oh, I can't. I just, I'm living hand to mouth. I'm living paycheck to paycheck. I, I, I can't even begin to think about how to bless other people because I have no margin in my life. Listen, you can be stuck in the past or you can start right where you are. And say, so I'm going to start doing things God's way. I'm going to stop owning anything and start managing everything. For his glory. Whatever situation you're in, you have the opportunity to bless others, even if you haven't done well in the past. The only bad thing is to do nothing. Remember how the, in the story of the talents, the owner and the steward had two different descriptions of themselves. The steward said, I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent. We're afraid. We don't know how to manage God's blessings. How did the owner describe him? Very harshly, he said, you wicked, lazy servant. What this tells us is all of us are going to have to give an account. Romans chapter 14 verse 12 says exactly this. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves back to God. I used to think of Judgment Day as this day when... We'd all be gathered into a room just like this, maybe much larger. And on the big screen, one by one, we'd watch every single detail of a person's life as they were being judged. And oh, if that doesn't strike fear into your heart. But when I read Romans chapter 14, verse 12, my perspective on it has changed. What if instead of a big room, it was a very small room? What if it was room only for one? You entered that room. You turned on the, the projector in the film, and you begin to watch your life, not as it played out, but as it could have been. With all of the time that God gave you, with all of the treasure that he bestowed to you, with every single bit of talent that he gave you, and you watch his story that he intended for you, and then you think about your life and what it turned out to be. Oh, that can be hard but you need to understand that God gives each of us a gift. And at one day, a day which we don't know, he's going to demand an accounting. And he's going to ask for Dennis the thing which he gave him. What did you do with that blessing? What did you do with what God gave you? He's not concerned with how much he gave you. He's concerned with what he receives back in return. You see, our God is a great investor and he doesn't just want to receive what he's been given. He wants to receive more than he gave you. Because that's what good stewardship is all about. That's what being blessed is all about. It's not about what you start with. It's about what you finish with. What are you going to do with what he's given you? Now, you all look at this and say, well, this is a money illustration. And you said stewardship is so much more than money. And you're exactly right. It is. What are you going to do with every single thing he's been giving you? I take all these back up to remind you that you're going to have to give an accounting for everything you've been given. Money, time, 
talents, blessings. These are the things we're going to talk about in this series. I also took that money back so that I can go home tonight. Let's finish with this verse that's already been read for us in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, who said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. You've been blessed for a purpose, so live up to that purpose. Live from the blessing and not for the blessing. Take where you are and use what you have to bless others so that God might bless you to be a blessing. The question is not, have you been blessed? The question is, am I being a blessing? That's what we're going to talk about all this month, and we'll start next week by talking about our time management. I want to invite you to be back tonight for the story of the widow and her incredible faith in God. We want you to know at Northside we love you because we believe you're important to God. We believe that you're his treasured possession, and there's no greater thing you can do with any treasure than to put it in the Lord's hands. And so this morning, if you have not put your life and your eternity into God's hands, we invite you to do so as together we stand and sing.